Come on, short man. It's starting to heat up a little bit. Yeah, it's all right. All right. Same one that I forgot to praise, still above me. One thing about it, I'ma beat him to the punches. Stumped all day, thinking mama would have loved when. With every triplet of trips around the sun, some of the sludge get thick, I'm chipping away at crust. Hold your head, your shit is in for a whole nother bust. Roaming the Citadel, on foot 11 when the split gave me a rush. Playing the cuts like a DJ. Let me know if you on Tango or some Lemon Meringue, Wallaby, Soul Stain Gun. Exploring a couple different avenues to stand dangerous. Day drunk, yeah. Sometimes the pain sitting fester in the hate, beloved. I'm working on it. It's worth the time. Further down the line, you might realize what's yours, obviously mine. Toss the sword back into the vines. Calling out for Lord, looking low and high. Finally found it at the core of my dim and fire. What's a little lie? What's a little lie? Tell me. Gotta make it straight. What happened? What he told me to. All right, we're back, Quentin. A little extendo break on that one. And this uh, this week, to bring in the new year, we are uh, Don't Throw Knives or uh, Kitchen American Nightmare uh, to commemorate the most important man of the day, Cody Rhodes. All right, Quentin, how you doing today on uh, Cody Rhodes Day? <laughs> but not. <laughs> oh, I'm great. Um, simultaneously, Cody Rhodes Day is also uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And um, I think it's fitting since I'm going to assume Martin Luther King is Cody Rhodes' favorite black man. Yeah, exactly. Probably, you know, one of the only ones he can name, um, depending on if what his what the gender of his child. Um, yeah, for sure. Although, I guess, you know. Did you see the, did you see the tweet? Uh, it's like this guy that's involved in the sports. His name is Darren Roval. I forgot if he was like an agent, oh. sports comment, sports analyst. But he said, like, he has, like, and, it's funny you say this, when I have, like, <laughs> one of the world's extremely largest. large Martin Luther, Martin, Martin Luther King collection. Yes, yes. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. You were just like, what does, uh, what does that possibly what does mean? That mean? What does that, what do you <laughs> think, what does he think that means? And what does it actually mean? Like, that is a uh, definitely an interesting one. Um, so, yeah, whoever that guy is. Um, well, Quentin. Extended, yeah, ex- extended? Extended, yeah, extended break for us. Uh, unintentional. Um, yeah. So Life comes at you fast. We were fine. Yeah, so we, we were fine taking, like, a holiday break. Like, there was, you know, natural, like, uh, Christmas and uh, whatever you may celebrate, whatever people, people may celebrate and... New Year is all coming up, and like at least in my work, that's like a especially busy time anyway. So like, like I wouldn't have like been super up to recording, uh, probably to be honest. But when we were ready to come back and come back and talk about like Wrestle Kingdom and Brian versus and Brian versus a uh, Hangman and the AEW and Swole stuff possibly and like just other stuff, I got COVID. Yeah. And I wasn't feeling great the first time I got COVID in like this 
in the last two, three years of this hellish landscape and uh, this crazy world. This is the first time I've gotten COVID and I didn't feel great. Didn't like fuck me up too bad. I was really foggy and fatigued the first day. And then after that, I was a little like sore throat and like mucus and congestion and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like mostly fine. Get over it. Ready to come back and record. Then Tim yep. gets COVID. <laughs> Came so, for me. So, yeah. So, like, if you want to get over there, like, so that that explains why we've been gone uh, a little bit longer than we than we planned. To. Yeah, it was kind of like we could have. I could have probably recorded when we were going to record last week, uh, but you know the timing. It was kind. It was just you know. It's touch and go, and a lot of times for us, I feel like we, when we're like pushing it, we just don't record. Basically, uh, there's no fucking point to pushing it really if it's close or it's whatever. We can't count on it. We just like let it go. Um, so yeah, I do want to dispel uh, dispel the uh, infactual, false, fake rumors that you uh, were posting in the Slack chat that I somehow had it worse than you. Um, I don't think that that's true. Uh, <laughs> I think that... See, I, 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 thought, I thought it was. No, okay, I just okay. had to take more time off work maybe than you. I don't even know. But I had to be off work for an entire week because of my work's protocol. Um, I do work in a hospital. Oh, I was gone from a... Oh, yeah. I was gone from Tuesday to Sunday. So, like, yeah. I was... Yeah. I was basically two, actually. But, you know, we're, we're not in on the weekends. So, it was Tuesday through Friday. Okay. But I wasn't clear until Sunday. Um, because I had to, and I, I'm just so lucky. I mean, I hear you guys talking about the testing issues and having to wait in line. My work has special separate testing for employees. Um, everything's free, easy setup. So I went in and I tested like Thursday, Wednesday. I did an at home test Thursday. I went in Friday or Thursday. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, hoping that I would clear then waited Sunday. Finally, I passed and I was like, all right, cool. Back on Monday, you know, because I was just nothing to do sitting around home. And I was like getting not, I won't say bored, but definitely getting to the point where it's like, ah, shit, like, you know, I don't want to be out of work, especially my work, unfortunately, is uh, short staffed as is. So don't want to be taking extra time off that I don't need to. I don't like really taking time off if I'm not actually, you know, need to. And and, I mean, I guess I do need to technically because it's COVID and you don't want to spread it. But I didn't need to in the sense that like I could have worked. I basically would have missed no time if it wasn't for the fact that I didn't want to give people COVID, you know. That's the fucked thing about like COVID and like the way in which we view sickness now because of COVID is that in general, even like even if it wasn't COVID and you just felt had symptoms that were close to it, like it was like the beginnings of a flu or the cold, you should you still yeah. shouldn't be coming yeah. into work. <laughs> but like but like that's how like fucked up like COVID has like skewed like our views of like what's worth like calling out for and like what's not right well and you know what's funny is that for years and years i was one of these people who you know does the the did the like you know if if we should adopt the like japanese thing and like if you feel sick and you have to be in public for whatever reason you should wear a mask and so for the last couple of years i had started doing that but i you know I, I didn't feel sick regularly but if i went into if i like went into work and i felt like a little bit of a cold i would wear a mask at work still um like just the whole day and then you know out in public like on public transportation and stuff and then ever since now since covid started like that was like i had started doing that a couple years before um covid and all this stuff happened and then (laughs) now this has happened and hopefully other people start doing it too like at least it continues on past the pandemic to when if you're feeling not feeling well you wear a mask out in public but uh but yeah i had already started doing that because the same thing like you said like I would push myself to go and eventually I was like, you know, I've always said like, oh, I wish that as a society we did that because it's like 
better for other people, protect other people if you're not feeling well. But I, I'm like, f finally, I was like, I need to just start doing that. I always talk about it. Why don't I fucking actually do it myself? So I did. Um, and so I would recommend other people do the same. You know, once we get back to somewhat normal, I guess, if you're going to push yourself to go in, even though you're feeling sick, wear a fucking mask. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's where we've been. Um, obviously, you know, the most important thing, I think everybody's probably been waiting to hear our opinion on Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and by that, I mean, New Japan versus Noah Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, did you, you didn't watch any of it, did you? Um, I saw the Young Lions match. I saw the Ogawa and, yeah. uh, yeah, I saw the Ogawa Kanemaru was act tag. Yeah. And I saw the Los Ingobernables. Okay. I didn't watch the, uh, Los Ingobernables eight man. And I probably should have. I did watch the main event, the aces, the all aces, um, I could I could I couldn't I couldn't, couldn't bring myself bring... to do it. Yeah, like, I know. I, I knew I, I knew Kaito was gonna take the fuck take take the fall there, and like I just I, uh, yeah couldn't bring myself to. Yeah, it. actually, I don't think that's what ends up happening. But uh, um, did he, did he did he not? Did Muto take the fall? Because Tanashi and Okada won, so that means yeah, like, yeah. So you're telling me Muto took the fall there? I'm trying to remember. Fuck. Ah, God damn it. There was a match where I was shocked about who took the fall, uh, because there was an obvious pin taker oh no you know what i'm thinking of something else um i think i'm thinking of the catch point tag match um but either way that, that, i know it's not the same there, not the same not the same but, there, like there's no fucking but that was last night you know mudos took that yeah. fall yeah, i don't know what i'm thinking i don't know and you know we all know i don't know you obviously you had to have heard most people heard the scuttlebutt about this tag it was going to originally be a trios match with all the aces it was going to be uh okada Tanahashi and Ibushi versus uh, Kitamiya, Mudo, and Ninja Mac, but they couldn't get Ninja Mac into Noah in time. Um, so, <laughs> unfortunately, they they took it down to just a tag team match. Um, oh, um, I have an update on uh, the Darren Ravel, Martin Luther okay, King okay. collection tweet. So, he, he says, I offered to put it on loan at the, at the Smithsonian regarding some of his Martin Luther King... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> artifacts or whatever. He said they required me to donate it. Yes, of course. <laughs> Someone quote tweeted that and says, as they fucking should. Right. Darren Ravel replies, why? Why can't they just display it? Why do they have to own it when I bought it? <laughs> hey, hey, I mean, the guy, you know, <laughs> he owns it. It should be his, obviously. It's just like right-clicking an NFT, right? Uh, you shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't just be allowed to just take somebody's property. You couldn't just be allowed to like right click on my fucking picture of a monkey wearing a hat, yeah, like. just like uh, this this fine MLK memorabilia. I don't even know. Like, do you remember the fucking Fortnite uh, Martin Luther King? Oh uh, yes, yes. Thing they I heard thing about that. that. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I heard about that. I I want to remind I want to remind people that like uh, on this uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, junior day that uh martin luther king jr was killed because he was starting to adopt more uh more radical well, even, i mean publicly uh, but yeah yeah, pub yeah publicly but like starting to ad adopt more uh radical views uh more uh communist aligned views publicly mm -hmm. and uh that is why he was he was killed yes, that's why he was assassinated <laughs> you know that is why he was assassinated by the fbi and cia yeah. and why they tried to break up his marriage and uh put out this idea that he was like a serial cheater which hey i, I don't know it's possible but it's also the fucking fbi and cia mm -hmm. so he also could have like just been entirely making that shit up 
and then they entirely defanged his legacy and life's work to make him seem like the most docile, peaceful, why can't we all just get along man on the planet, even though that's just like factually what he was not. Right. But uh yeah, that's uh that's all I had there. <laughs> yeah. And then they tried to create uh you know, Brett versus Sean with uh, MLK versus uh um, Malcolm X and uh, the MLK was the good guy who was nice and did everything yes. the right way. <laughs> yeah, using Martin using Martin Luther King to talk about how bad Malcolm X was and then demonizing Malcolm Martin Luther King more once Malcolm X died. Yeah. This no, yeah. it's a whole bunch of nasty stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I mean and they discredited uh Mahatma Gandhi as well, you know, or they, at least they try to. And I don't know who knows. Maybe he was abusive in his personal life. Maybe he was racist, all this. But again, just like you said, you can't really trust any. It's very funny the way people like historically just buy these things, even though now like everyone is like, oh, glowy. Oh, it's a Fed post. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, this uh, clearly. Even like, even black, even uh, even black people. It's like people when people like talk about like there's like a famous J. Cole line about like um about like uh. Martin Luther King cheating and like Coretta was Coretta able to look past the cheating when Martin Luther King was out there changing the world or like something like that yeah. right and I sit there and like people will still say that and I'm like and like like you might not want to take like movie representations as like the end all be all for how the story went but if you saw Selma you saw that Jagger Hoover and those other central, central intelligence people were calling Malcolm were calling Martin's house with these like with audio of hotels and whether it was martin or it was not trying to destroy his marriage because they viewed that as a thing that he cared about cared about that much like they're they're fucking evil people right and they shouldn't be allowed to sit there and talk and talk about martin luther king's legacy and what he meant and be the dick and like be able to dictate to the rest of society like how we should remember martin luther king like that's right. fucking nuts like we completely defang everything that he stood for and he's made to see he's he's made to be like oh this is how things should be done when people at the time hated Martin Luther King right. just as badly as these same reactionary white people hate and he hate all the protesters and activists now right it's like the same people now who believe you know that like the the the, the, the alphabet uh, agencies like discredit discredited framed and and set up like the sarnayev brothers for the boston bombing and their personal lives and shit like they all want to believe that because they look like uh, chechnyan bts or something uh they but they want to think that like the cia had nothing to do with discrediting and disproving the positive things about mlk like uh, come on come on now guys like they, they didn't just start being evil like keep that in mind just because you didn't know this stuff when you learned these stories doesn't mean that they, that makes them true like use the context and realize that like it's the same fucking evil organizations that have been doing the same bullshit for decades. It's just, I don't know, I don't know if um, it was like around when you were a kid, but do you remember like that? There was like this thing that he used to show in classes. It was like this, like my friend Martin or whatever the fuck it was. Oh no. Um, and it was like this thing where, um, these kids travel back in time. Like they go, like they go to some exhibit and they travel back in time. And this, uh, black kid, I don't know. He's like 12, 13, whatever he is in the story. But he goes back in time to like oh, no. 1940s, fucking uh, 1940s or 30s. Uh, where's Martin? Where's Martin from? Georgia, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, where's Martin yeah. from? Either way, the 1930s South right. when Martin is a child and befriends Martin Luther King. And he's like, "Damn, 
Martin's really cool. Like, look at how he deals with these racist people. <laughs> and then he like he feels so compelled to tell Martin, like, dude, like, I don't want to leave because like if I if I leave, they're gonna kill you. <laughs> then Martin then like Martin's like, you know what? I gotta face it, man. I gotta go. I, oh no, yeah. I gotta deal with it. Like, and then <laughs> oh yeah. He steps. He steps forward, and <laughs> all you hear is a gunshot oh and people God. screaming, and it's like <laughs> it's fucking insane. And I remember watching that shit when I'm like in fifth grade, and like that is like as crazy as it is. Like probably like my like define the defining thing I think of when I think of Martin Luther King is that this video they showed for like years on end in school, at least in like. Baltimore County Public Schools of being like, damn, Martin's a cool guy. I don't want him to get assassinated. And Martin being, Martin being like, hey, you know, I got to deal with it. And walking into like bullets and people screaming. Yeah. No. <laughs> and showing that to children. Jesus Christ. Well, that's why like the, the, that Judas and the Black Messiah movie title was so interesting to me because, yeah, like Martin Luther King Jr., for as long as I've been alive, was kind of presented that way as like he was a martyr for like the black cause and was basically Jesus Christ for black people who, uh, I mean, fuck this, this thing sounds like it's like directly presenting like Jesus, like putting himself up to be sacrificed for the sins. You know what I mean? It literally, it literally, it literally it's is the Christ allegory, but it's fucking Martin Luther King jr. It's, it's amazing, but it's true. Like, the, like it's the, I mean, it's the laziest shit, but it's like, we've all fucking seen that zeitgeist movie or whatever. Or actually maybe you haven't, but people my age, everyone watched that fucking movie at some point where it's like, well, you know, Jesus Christ is an amalgamation of stories that have been passed down. It's like, yeah, man, like, fucking people love those stories so much that they just love to force, like, new characters into the same archetype. You know, it's the hero's journey. It's the fucking, it's the Christ. It's the Messiah, like, story. People love that shit. So, that, like, any chance they get, they try to, like, create someone repeating the Christ story. And then, like, what happens when, ha- when and then what happens when people, like, you know, get put into that, like, Messiah categories and people have this, like, revisionist history of how things went. It's like, Martin Luther King died and we all unanimously unanimously realize, oh, no, this is wrong. No. What happened? We did, no one came to, like, a peaceful agreement, like, hey, we should just stop being racist. That's not what, that's not what fucking happened. Like, racism was still rampant and in order for anything to get changed, there was seven days of, vi- of violent protesting and rioting all across America because black people were like, no, this is the one guy that was willing to work with you on this shit and you still killed him. Fuck that. We're burning this country to the ground. And that's why anything got passed after that. It wasn't like, oh man, this is a sad day in American history. Martin Luther King got assassinated and we should really look back at it, really look back at who we are as a nation and make changes. No. <laughs> yeah that is not what happened that is not how the story went yeah the story went that basically all the racist people were like holy shit like we can all agree that martin luther king was all right for you know for a black guy what the fuck are we doing we need to chill out we're, we're, we're killing the best one <laughs> like what the fuck no that is not what happened jesus ah uh, well quentin this is uh i guess Kind of how you expected things to go. Yeah. What is Keiji Mudo if not the uh, Messiah of Japanese wrestling? Um, I mean, if you look, if you look on Twitter, that's people do talk about people, yeah, people talk about him as like he's bringing joy to wrestling. Like that's you know because that was the whole thing when he left when he left New Japan and was like doing like the All Japan stuff. He's trying to bring joy to wrestling and like apparently people really really take that to heart because they still talk about it. Yeah, now. that's true. Wrestle Joy, I remember that. That was a long time ago. Um, Oh wait, WrestleJoy is that stupid website, but yeah, um, Jesus, same shit, same yeah, it's all the same thing. Um, 
what else was was there anything else you wanted to get into about uh martin luther king jr or cody rhodes before we i don't know what the fuck we're gonna be talking about next um so this, this cody rhodes thing is a work right uh yeah 100 percent, and it's okay, and it's fucking right. sad because it's like when we talk about you know Meltzer having literally zero credibility but you know sean rossap basically being willing to launder these kind of bullshit stories for for uh contract negotiations um just to basically like completely ruin his own credibility but it doesn't matter it doesn't ruin his credibility because none of that shit matters journalists in general not even just wrestling journalists have no credibility anymore people don't trust the media the news so you just can make anything up say any story and when you get caught when you get directly caught and they and you have to basically just admit you just like laugh it off and are like yeah that story was bullshit whatever and nobody fucking cares because journalism in america has no credibility it doesn't matter nobody takes the in the thing seriously so whatever i mean i know this is wrestling journalism so it's like who cares right but it is a bigger picture issue where it's just like nobody fucking cares at all like you know saw that joe rogan thing where where he's getting called out about uh about people getting myo myo my eo carditis uh from the shot or from covid and when he gets called out and proven that he what he's talking about is wrong he's still like okay but you know the the, the information and the data it's like yeah, yeah yeah sure you're always allowed to ask questions and they love to hand behind why can't i just ask questions and then the second when you point out like all you do is ask questions and when you're given the facts you just continue to ask questions you're refusing to ever listen to the the truth because you're always asking questions they basically go oh okay so now i found the truth because i'm not allowed to say it i'm not allowed to question this so it must be wrong it must be true what i'm saying you know yes it's like no like we keep giving you the same answers and you keep going back and doing the exact same shit there's no winning there's no winning with that shit there's just that's what media is now and it's fucking scary because because it just is we live we're in a world now where there's like fucking two different three different four different a thousand a million different realities um, and that's just, uh, what life is, you know? So yeah, Cody Rhodes is not leaving AEW. If you think he's leaving AEW, you're <laughs> fucking stupid. He has two different TV shows on Turner Broadcasting Networks. I'm sure that there is something in his contract somewhere that says he's not allowed to be in WWE while he's also doing the Go Big show and Rhodes to the Top. I don't think... You know, you, Wait, do, do people think he's, like, gonna show about the, uh, show about the Royal Rumble or Yeah, something? exactly. Like... Do people really think like people can say whatever they want like oh he's on a con- handshake deal and he's trying to leverage all this and that but I'm I'm sorry but Turner Broadcasting is not so fucking stupid that they've got a guy who's got his a reality show and he's the host of one of their game shows that's doing numbers and they don't put something in his contract that says he can't work on another TV station. Well, hasn't well hasn't he but like he's had covid so like is he not quarantining like is it just not possible that like he wasn't able to ju- that he just wasn't able to go in person to go sign a contract because he's yeah, COVID. I mean, who knows? Who knows what the real reason is? Like, like, but, yeah. I don't know. Like that, like that may be just like simplifying it too much, and maybe it is like an actual negotiation. But like from what I've rem- like saw, I'm pretty sure the guy at yeah. COVID has been quarantining and staying home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's possible that that he was supposed to drop the title to Sammy. He's out. That's why they did the interim title thing, um, and because they really want Sammy to have the title because he isn't under contract anymore, which is like, okay, totally makes sense. Um, and that there is something to like the idea that he wants to, wants to do it in person, wants to get notarized, all that stuff, you know, gotta, and you can't, you don't want to risk it while you have COVID totally. And then now it's turning into a story. Um, I mean, it's fucking, it's Cody. So it could also just, none of it could be true. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess theoretically he could not be under contract, but it is because of the reasons that we just said, and there's no negotiation. There also could be negotiation. I just don't, I just don't think that there is. 
I think there's nothing to this story. Then, yeah, regardless of what it is, it's like who fucking cares? Like, like I just like I'm like ninety five, ninety seven percent sure that Cody Rhodes is right. just gonna resign with AEW, and then like that's just gonna yeah. be it. Like, that's I mean I have yeah. It's just it's just funny. It's just funny to it's just funny to see the reaction to it. Yeah, I don't question it even slightly that he's just going to go back. I don't. You know, there there is a lot to like the him constantly kind of mocking Triple H side of things, but I don't think that he likes Vince. Like, I don't think that Cody is one of these guys that now Triple H doesn't have power, so Cody's gonna want to come back. You know what I mean? Oh man, I fucking I fucking love those people. I fucking love the no, I hate Triple H, but I love yeah. Vince. Like, I, I love I love I love those right. People. That's yeah. That's the that's the or the people who are the other way. The people that are Vince is a piece of shit, but Triple H is great. You know, like what. Yeah, it's, Guys, it's always they, awesome. It's not really that fucking contentious. Like, people want to think that the McFan- McMahon family is like Succession or something, you know, but it's not. Like, the real world is not like TV, okay? <laughs> Everyone calm down. Um, well, what did you think of, I saw you post this, match of the year so far, uh, Masha Slamovich versus Nicole Savoy? <laughs> I liked it. No, I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. I thought it, I thought it was good. Um, Masha can be a little hit or miss sometimes, yes. but Nicole Savoy is like someone that's a, that's, a, that's definitely a favorite of both of ours, and maybe she's not as active as we as we both like her to be. But this was real. This was really good. I would I would like to see this like get ran all across the country. To be honest, like at, at, at the stage in which the U.S. Indies are at right now, we don't really get to see like touring matches like that, and I would love to see this like get like more notoriety as a matchup and uh get uh get pl- get placement on bigger cards all all, all across the country. I re- I really really like. Yeah, this. it's a really interesting match because it almost feels like it goes backwards in the um in the chronology in the in the chemistry thing because Masha and Janai Kai have had a ton of matches and they've had quite a few very good matches. Um, I think that they they have a really good kind of chemistry with each other i think masha also has a really good series of matches with edith surreal and uh, and then obviously i had talked about the um the the blood sport match with uh marina shahir um masha has some opponents that she has phenomenal chemistry with but it is funny that like yeah like i mentioned her her kind of career rival up until this point you could argue edith or janai kai and janai has just recently become like uh, more of a student underneath nicole savoy and then you turn around and masha is taking on janai's new new kind of uh, master it's, it's it's very interesting to see like have having that uh, that connection there and they instantly have phenomenal chemistry which like i said kind of mirrors the janai kai chemistry if not even a little bit better um just because savoy is more of a veteran and you know can kind of grounds it a little bit uh, definitely this the structure was i think a little bit better um masha is yeah just insane phenomenal i mean conversation wrestler of the year i think honorable mention for 2021 pandemic era 2022 coming out hot and repeatedly like fucking having great showing so far already like someone who definitely should be on your on your like uh watch list i think for a lot of people to keep an eye on um what she does this year because this could be her breakout year for more and more people um noticing her oh one thing (laughs) this is a weird one this is just a uh uh me taking a a little bit of a uh let's say a victory lap um i just think it's kind of funny a couple wrestlers who um who i 
was high on early and people were not as high. And then now a bunch like I'm just seeing noticing different groups in different places starting to notice them and watch them and and, and pick up and start to praise them quite a bit. Uh, Hoodfoot Mo Atlas was a guy that I was high on early on and mentioned it. Oh yeah, and yeah, then yeah, uh, yeah. and then now it's funny because it's different. You know, it's different sections. That's the the that's the trick here for what I'm saying. Really, is what you do is you just know a bunch of different people, tell a bunch of different people online the same stuff, and then uh, you know one of the groups is going to end up picking up on somebody. You know, some groups of people I've noticed starting to really get behind Hoodfoot, and I'm like, hell yeah! Even people that maybe weren't as high on him when I was high on him early. Um, Alec Price, another one that I know uh, I, I kind of shouted out in the past, and now I'm seeing more people start to get behind him. Um, and, you know, Masha, obviously. Do people like him? Yep, there are, there are a group of people in the IWTV universe, I'll say, who are starting to notice and get behind him. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying greatest wrestler on the planet, but definitely potential and starting to put it together and uh, definitely seeing a little bit more more love going towards uh, t- two guys that I kind of I called out early on, and I just want to take a, take a moment to remind the people who maybe forgot uh, that they first heard me talking about these people, and they were like, eh, I don't know, whatever, I'll check it out. And then now they're like, oh, th- that guy's great. Um, <laughs> Hoodfoot, I'm, I'm with you 100% on. Alec Price, I'm still sure, not super into. I know into, he's not one of your guys. But, like, yeah, so, like, maybe you could, like, win, win me over, like... <laughs> He seems like he's gonna get. He's gonna get a lot. He seems like he's gonna get a lot of opportunities in twenty twenty two. So, like, hopefully, he's a guy that like will win me over. Like with time during the year. Um, I got a question as I want to transition real quick. Uh, so, are you aware of who made it into the Observer Hall of Fame? This yes, year? I was going to say we needed to talk about the Hall of Fame. I am aware of the number one. I I kind of I know I know I've heard all of them, but I forgot the others. Was uh uh Crockett went in right. Uh yeah, so Jim Crockett Jr. got in with eighty two percent, which is like yeah. I was like, oh wow, I was super surprised by that. Oh, Los Brazos, Don also, Owen, right? yeah, Los Brazos got in eighty eighty six percent. Don Owen squeaks in at sixty one percent. I'm really really happy about that. And Okada fucking smashes it, ninety two percent of the yeah. vote. <laughs> uh, troubling lack of uh CM Punk, but you know we'll move forward. We will accept it. Yeah, I was actually gonna um go real quick and try to and try to tell you. I know um, he was up. He was up like thirteen percent. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, but yeah, yeah. Tr- uh, Punk actually went up uh from t- to thirty three percent in twenty twenty one from fifteen percent in twenty twenty. So he so he got a pretty good jump. Yeah. And uh, Mystico barely 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 missed it he uh he was at 59 percent, 59.7 percent for 2021 and 33 percent for 2020 yeah. and so he'll go on that's fucking that's fucking brutal but yeah, yeah. he'll go on next year for sure um with los brazos going it it, 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 it depends but los brazos they went up 33 they went up 33 yeah. percent. well them now not being on the um on the ballot next year will help mystico go on i think i think i think yeah. so um Sangre Chicana also had like a pretty good boost, but he still was like at thirty three percent with like no real chance of like sniffing it. Um, Japan was interesting though. The top two that had the biggest jumps were the most significant jumps. Uh, Kota Ibushi went from thirty eight percent in twenty twenty to fifty four percent in twenty twenty one. So like Kota Ibushi is pretty close. And Akira Tawe went from thirty nine percent in twenty twenty to forty six percent in twenty twenty one. So still, still ways off from that sixty from that sixty percent threshold, but like it, it, it was an improvement for him. And then 
the thing that might be able to get him in the Hall of, Hall of Fame because in some capacities that the Holy Demon Army is nom- going to be nominated next year as a tag team. Okay. So Argentina Roca and Miguel Perez, Ricky Steamboat Jr. and Jay Youngblood, Akira Tawa and Toshiaki Kawada, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, Roy Welsh, Shingo Takagi, and Rossi Ogawa will be added to the ballot next year. So if I'm looking, if I'm just looking at that, um, off the top of my head, like I really, I I would think that Akira Tawa and Toshiaki Kawada should be a lock as a tag team. So yeah, like, does that put Kawada in a second time? It would put Kawada in. I'm a second not a time. fan of that, really. I mean, I'm not one of these like by Look, any means necessary it's, it's, people, it, you know. Like I'd rather not have yeah. Tawa go in if it's like that. I I agree, but it's like. It's, it's it's weird because like people will like do all these like different like ways to argue against Tawei. so it's like okay like we're judging like at worst like the third best tag team ever like right are you really gonna say no are you really gonna say no now right right I know I know it's it's just so upsetting like why do, why does it why do we even have to play these fucking games um but I guess uh I guess that's it you know whatever um. Um, who, um, who, who fell, um, who fell off? I'm looking at, looking at who fell off here. Um, so the people that got 10, less than 10% in their region are going to fall off. Hollywood Blondes, well, the original Hollywood Blondes, uh, Buddy Colt, the Fabulous Ones, Nikki Bella, Charlotte Flair, Kamala, Rick Martel, John Moxley. I'm a little, I'm a little shocked by that one. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rollins, Ultimate Warrior, Kyoko Inouye. Eh, like that one's, that one's a little tough. Kasiori Shibata, Takashi Sagira, Psycho Clown. Uh, he, he's not gonna. Get, he doesn't get as much love. Um, Roger Delaporte, uh, Andre Boy, um, Boyer, Taki uh, Kadani, and Stephanie McMahon uh, all got less less than ten percent and will be uh, dropped off the ballot. Huh. I mean, Kadani's an interesting one, um, but you know, I. He he, kind of got a lot of heat, especially online and stuff. So, I don't know. He still gets. He'll hate. get in eventually. You think so? He'll get, he'll get in eventually. Like so, someone will have to like, someone will have, will have to do the work in order to like, get the perception on Kadani to change. But like, yeah, Kadani like will get in. I think probably should be in. Like, yeah. well, like when you like really examine like how much he's meant to New Japan on the business end, and um, the original Hollywood Blondes like. In the, in the in the fab in the fabulous ones, I think yeah. like I, I don't know. Dave Brown like had a rough one. Like he went he went he like had a pretty harsh drop. So like uh, that that era in that region like might be having a hard time like going forwards. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see with all of that. With like yeah, the, the, is that's like historical? Is that historical U.S. or is that modern? Yeah, I think I think I I I, I think. Uh, both Hollywood Blondes and uh, Fabulous Ones were historical. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird. I'm saying that like it should be obvious, but it also isn't because it's like weird. Like I think Slaughter is not. He's in modern, right? Like, yeah, Slaughter's still yeah. modern. I feel like he like he he's getting to the point where he has to be considered historical, right? Like pretty. And so. it sucks because I think. Well, wait, did he he did he get in this year? He, he did. didn't. Yeah, and I I don't think he will. And I do still kind of contend that he should. Um. Hollywood blondes, I, I, you know, I'm I'm pro Hollywood blondes. Uh, again, just kind of from the history 
in California, um, especially. But I get why they don't get in, unfortunately. Which I, I mean, in some ways I do, some ways I don't. Um, fabulous ones should. Fabulous be. ones they should, should be. definitely be in. There's tons of footage, and they were phenomenal. Um, and, it, not, and not even that, just like they were the fucking like prototype. Yeah, of like, that was that's exactly <laughs> where I was going with that next. Like that they kind of their style of wrestling, you can trace it, you know, back and forth to today in tag team wrestling basically being influenced a lot by them um even if people don't realize it like it's one of those where even if someone doesn't realize that they're doing fabulous one stuff they are um there's tons of tag teams who think you know like motor city machine guns i think are kind of uh probably you know alex shelley chris saban are the ones who actually know that they're <laughs> they were doing fabulous one stuff and then a lot of people kind of you know imitated motor city machine guns obviously um you know obviously midnight express as well part of that too but fabulous ones were a big early part and they influenced uh midnight express also so you know um it is it is what it is there uh i think someone would have to really do a lot of work unfortunately to make a case to probably get them in um but yeah yeah i think it, it, it would require someone who, like being really passionate about their case which i think is gonna like be a thing with a lot with a lot of these people eventually like kadani like you really like there is no argument against Kadani. Like, if he's, if, like, from 2012 to, like, now, it's like, come on. Yeah. Like, the growth, the growth, the what, like, the way the company changed and the consistent growth year over year, it's like, yeah, like, come on. It's, like, directly under his leadership. Right. <laughs> like, it's, like, he, like, there's, like, literally, like, no argument. So, like, I feel like, I feel like that'll be something that, like, change, changes eventually. Yeah. Um, Don Owen is a good you, one too. Like, like you called that one out, but yeah, yeah definitely, Don. I think well deserving. And 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 uh, I mean, you look at what he did, and you see how it mirrors to something like CMLL. You know, building that uh, building that style of promotion around the building that you own, and being you know a safe haven for a lot of great work, and and keeping a keeping an area and a uh, a territory alive for so fucking long, and really having it be a territory. You know, like. I don't know if you don't think that that's, I mean, it would be one thing if you just say again, like it just existed. Okay. Whatever. It's just business. Like, but to have been, um, such an incubator for some of the best wrestling of all time. I mean, when you look at those Portland tapes, a lot of that stuff still really holds up. Um, we've, we, me and you obviously fell in love with like the Pacific Northwest scene. I mean, a lot of the, the reason why that scene has such a good backbone is because of the Portland, history that there was still some really good wrestlers yeah. there to train people and to like kind of still have that connection back to you know, the old timers who even the ones who just watched Portland TV when they were kids to actually know about good wrestling. Um, yeah. Like Portland, I think is not just the fact that it was a business that stuck around for a long time, but also being historically so important for creating so much. And you know, like we, everyone talks about a lot of people, but like fucking, uh, what is it? Scotty Flamengo, like Raven historically important guy, and uh, a lot of, like, the best shit and the reason why he got so good was because of Portland, too. So that's one that I think, like, if people maybe... Maybe not everyone is, like, as familiar with, like, you know, the Rick Martell, the Buddy Rose stuff from Portland that we've talked about and that, you know, really big-time nerds have seen. But if you've, like, seen some of the Raven stuff and some of the Raven-influenced stuff, that also comes out of Portland as well. And not to mention, obviously, Roddy Piper. Big fucking deal, right? Um, so, yeah. Don Owens going in, I think, is well-deserved. Like, you, you, you called it out, but definitely uh so next year shingo gets added <laughs> you prepare for the shingo he discourse better get next the fuck year in. come on now like that's 
if he doesn't get in at this point, it's ridiculous. Like, there's just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So you're so you so you're like all in on Shingo. Oh Shingo. yeah. Yes, one hundred percent. Like, are you not? No, I'm just I'm, I'm yeah, just yeah, asking. Yeah. I think I mean again, you know, maybe I'm softer on Okada than a lot of people, but I don't think that Shingo Case is like so much weaker than Okada, really. Okay. No, hey, hey, hey. I'm not I did not say that he has a stronger case. I'm just saying the people that are like 100% head over heels, Okada is definitely the greatest case of all time has to go in people. Um like you can't then completely bury the idea that Shingo should go in, right? Like I mean Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Of course. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, I, I, he, I think that if you're saying Okada deserves to go in 100, percent you know, you hear, I hear Dave talking about it, like people telling him the the same thing that they said about The Rock. If if someone doesn't vote for Okada, then you just should take away their ballot, right? There's people who see it that way. That's fine. I, I, I won't say that I disagree with it, but if you say that, I don't see how you then say like Shingo doesn't go in. Yeah, that's you know, I just, I just don't. Um. Not to say that they even necessarily have similar cases, but Shingo has a very strong case, tons of longevity. From, like, a top-level guy, maybe in the second or third Japanese promotion, depending on the time, from the moment he started. It's like, I mean... I'm just um, saying he depending... He starts off in 2000... He, I'm, I'm, I'm saying he starts off in, what, 2004, yeah. 2005? So, like, uh, at that point, obviously, he's still Noah, but, like, by the time, like, the decade... Uh, by, like, 2012, like, Dragon Gate is, like pretty clearly the second big the second biggest promotion in uh yeah in japan for sure yeah yeah but i'm just saying and like, the, i guess you could like make arguments like you i guess you can make arguments like for before that but that's like the safe time period right yeah i'm just saying you know second third debate you know you can fudge the number whatever you want but from the moment he starts his career he's a top guy in the second or third biggest promotion in japan um and from there he just continues to get better uh, has draw case has like legitimate heat as a heel case, um, which is still hard to do even in Japan um, through the decades that he's done it. And then yeah, continues to build and draw, has proven draw by going to New Japan and actually doing numbers, making a difference in a big company. You know he was not just a big fish in a small pond as he goes up to what people consider the bigger pond and shows that he makes a difference there. All while at all times being, I don't know like. I could definitely see cases for lower, like, but to be fair, I'll say never drops out of, like, the top 20, I would say. I don't think that there's a year in his career that you could say he's not, like, a top 20 wrestler. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't see how you possibly say that a guy with that longevity, that history is actually a draw, top-level guy, and quality of work doesn't doesn't get in. Do you think that he's like he's like should get, like that he would be like as good enough to be like a work alone candidate? Like, what's the threshold uh, for you to be like? I don't know. Getting in off work alone. I don't know. I'm kind of picky about that because I feel like I feel like, I think it's always interesting to me to people people be like, oh, like if you're not like a top fifteen to twenty wrestler ever, then you don't get off work alone. And I'm like, well, like there's so many wrestlers that have existed ever. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like if we're talking about like how many wrestlers have existed ever, and you're saying that like someone is one of the hundred greatest wrestlers ever. I'm not saying that it should like that that it should be enough. But like that's a pretty glowing endorsement. Obviously that kind of thing is subjective, but it's like I feel like people are like really stingy when it comes to like what's the cutoff. Right. There. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's 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 kind of it's kind of a feel it, kind of know it when you see it in the gut kind of thing. And I think there's just an intangible 
for the kind of person who I think deserves that. And I mean, I will be honest that like, for me, like my bar is like at this point, probably to say work alone. I'm like Danielson, like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and that's, I mean, that's a high bar, but I would say like Benoit Danielson, you know what I mean? Like you got to be in that conversation. Would you vote for, would you vote for Chris hero on work alone? No, probably not. Um, but he's not. I don't think that Chris Hero is a work alone candidate, and I would I would say vote for he him. He has a he has like he has like impact and like the yeah. train and like people people in, in, in like influence and training. But like it would be primarily a work case for yeah. For Hero. I think his work case is very close, and I do think that that it's it's close. Um, but I don't know. I mean, see, like that's see that's that's interesting to me because it's like again, like that's why like. It, like this is like the closest thing we have to an actual Hall of Fame, but it's still ultimately like a level of subject subjectivity comes into it. It's like I think Hero is like if not like a lock, he's like a borderline top ten greatest wrestler ever. To right. Me. And I'm like that. Like if you're one of the ten best wrestlers ever, like I feel like you should at least be getting considered here. Yeah, yeah. Like no. with like with like with like so with like serious merit. Definitely, definitely, and and it's a consideration. That's why I'm saying it's like a. But that's that's kind of my point, I guess, is that if I'm gonna vote on work alone, then it's gotta it's gotta feel like a hundred percent without a question, just unassailable. You know what I mean? And hero, hero's work is pretty much impeccable. But I would, I don't, I would just argue that there's like a consistency issue that is not necessarily his fault, or not necessarily even to say that he's bad, but he's got some. Pete, like some valleys where if he got if if he got a better wwe run would would he be like because i know people I know, you know people are with this kind of stuff it's like it takes like a big major run somewhere and then he'll like be like oh yeah this person should go in like aj well Styles. are you talking about so theoretically like, or me personally like for you like would it like if he no. could, like had a better wwe no run, the wwe like, run anything? being better like in the context of wwe wouldn't yeah, 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 really yeah. affect me like if he got got pushed better or had star power or whatever not really um but okay. if if he got to work more and got to have you know better matches consistently then yes but you know like that that's a, a different kind of a different question that's why i say he just he's got years where he's missing because of wwe stuff and he's got years where he's doing stuff that that i question and don't love even if like it's not bad and some people love it like okay like the death by elbow right like the long period of focusing a lot in a, in a lot of places like on that tag team like just kind of is like whatever um there's definitely a lot of good stuff in the roh but like the hd net uh sweet and sour chicken shit heel stuff um is not like amazing it's good but it's like just kind of a down period for me work-wise like very i i like the character work for sure but just you know he's not giving 100 percent having great matches all the time he's doing like angles and story stuff and then when we're talking about a work alone case like character work and all that stuff to me i don't know maybe i'm wrong and i should say like yeah that still counts but it doesn't count the same way to me to be like yeah that's a work a work alone kind of case so that kind of stuff just makes it questionable to me if i really went through it maybe i would say yeah for sure but the thing is like i talked about from the beginning with this like this is theoretical because 
for the entire Chris Hero, he's not a work alone case because he's got so much um, so much influence involved in it that I think that he gets a bigger uh, I think a bigger has a bigger case because of that. Um, not just you, you don't think it like affect you, you don't think it like affects Hero that like probably at, like his peak run like he was more of a special attraction case than like someone that was like holding up like a company like say like if he like he doesn't have like a big like defining run like carrying a company like being a champion like even though he was like you say he was like carrying evolve like in the ring or whatever but you, you don't think it, like do you think it hurts him like in an in-ring way or like an impact way that like he doesn't really have this defining run anywhere as a champion uh no no because i was going to say that because his influence case is not just people that he trained but also legitimizing the indies yeah, like like influence on promotions yeah. and like legitimizing promotions. Yeah, so I think that while he didn't have a one promotion, he was the major champ and all that. He does have, he was the top guy of indie wrestling. He was the ace of indie wrestling, um, and so like you said, as an attraction, like that's kind of the the attraction. He was le- legitimizing the indies, making stars in different promotions, touring the world, and and feeling like he made everything better and bigger. Um, so that was kind of his his case as the ace. He was the ace of the Indies. Um, he was kind of the international ace of the Indies, really. And uh, and I think that that's kind of the same thing. So he he did he does to me he does have that. He does have a case as being the top guy. He just wasn't the top guy of one promotion. He was the top guy of all independent wrestling. I agree. That was just more talking about like the like the general like theoretical case. Like, sure, sure. So surround surround surrounding hero. Um, on the move off that yeah, real please. quick. Um. Did you cry when William Regal got? Oh released? God! For forty days and forty nights, uh, he uh, he meant everything to me. Regal told me that it was okay to be weird. Um, yeah, no, I I I, I don't fucking <laughs> care. Like, I'm sorry. Why? I like him. Like, I know that I, I know I know we're like a couple weeks late here, but like, I fucking love the idea <laughs> that we should be sad for William Regal. When we know what the purpose of NXT under Triple H was, and it was to kill independent wrestling, and that Regal was deliberately sent there because of his credibility to go out there yep. and be a sky, be like, oh no, it's okay. William Regal's watching my matches. It's really cool. Meanwhile, they're sending this dude out there pretty much to go kill indie wrestling. Right. right. And I mean, Regal gets a weird rap and a positive rap in a in a weird way where it's like. You know, there's the Daniel Bryan thing, like, oh, you know, HBK just took my money, William Regal trained me or whatever. And it's like, okay, sure, HBK wasn't there, but, like, William Regal was, like, admittedly was all pilled out at that time and was, like, strung out on drugs. So, like, I don't know, was he really there? Was he so much more there if mentally he was, like, kind of checked out and just, like, you know, whatever. Like, I just, I think it's odd that Regal, like you said, like gets this like positive thing. Like again, Triple H is bad and trying to destroy the Indies. William Regal is here to save the day. Yes, yeah, so it's like it goes, it goes back to the same thing. Triple H is bad. William Regal is good, even though Tri- like William Regal directly works for Triple H and has any position of power because of Triple H, his longtime friend dating back to WCW. Triple H. Right. Well, and the, and the, the Zack Saber Jr. story gets attributed to Fit Finley, but I remember hearing the story that it was Regal and Finley that both said that he wrestled like a puff, right? So it's like they both were calling him, you know, basically saying that he wrestled like he was gay and looked like he was gay, and that's not good. 
uh, in wrestling, right? So, like, but the only person who anyone ever really talked about with that was was Finley, because Finley ta- actually tweeted about it or whatever. But Regal was part of that story. And, again, he gets the pass. So, it's like, historically, Regal has always kind of been shitty. He's had his issues. Whatever. I'm not, you know what, I'm not trying to, like, hate on the guy and say he's a terrible person because he had a drug issue. But he did. And people, like, completely overlook that and just act like he wasn't a monster who had fucking substance abuse issues did some bad stuff fucked up the indies you know what i mean like this guy is not a fucking saint it's fine i get it people have redemption stories people do better like yeah like even if you're like you know i was like like you know going beyond like yeah like no no one's like like everyone's happy that regal's like been able to like crawl from whatever dark place and like create like a life that he's been happy with but like you can't talk about killing the indies like which which happened like no one's making that up like it, it happened yeah. like they signed up everyone and killed the indies and then like once that plan failed and the AEW came around just like spitting everyone back out and releasing them like he was a big part of that he was a big part of what happened with evolve like you can't sit there and tell the story of the indie era of NXT and how it led to the destruction of the UK indie scene like and obviously like it, like the rampant sexual misconduct is a part of it, but NXT UK was not a good thing for the for the UK and European independent scene. Well, that stuff was not good for it. And then in general, the the killing of the independent scene in the US. Like you can't tell that story without William Regal. Sorry, right? You just you just can't. Yeah. No, he was the right hand man. He was he was a big part of it. I mean, fuck William Regal. And his credibility in the UK is a big part of why, like, NXT UK and that entire scene dying happened. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah, like, I don't know if it would have been the same without William Regal giving it the stamp of approval. Because how many of those wrestlers were, were Regal marks? I mean, Pete Dunne were the fucking, the, the maroon singlet because of William Regal. Everyone knows that. Like, that's not a question. And he was, like, one of the major top reasons that all of that stuff happened. It's not the way. Remember the, the, the fucking Pete Dunne tweet? Like, yeah. The, he was the biggest voice and probably the, the largest cosign that killed the indie scene. Because he was defend indie wrestling. <laughs> like, him and Mark Andrews were the UK wrestling scene. The independent UK yeah, wrestling scene. Yeah, they were scene. the fucking guinea pigs. They were the guinea pigs to try it out there and be like, no, guys, this is yeah. okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. I promise you, it's More okay. More than progress being punk rock pro wrestling and all that stuff. Like, yeah, fucking flips and arm bars or, or forearm, flips and forearms, right? For- as, a com- as, a com- as a company, there was only so much that, like, and, like, I, okay, I, I, I can't really say that when, like, Jim, when Glenn Joseph was running rampant on Twitter and Jim Smallman had a podcast, but it's like, yeah, Pete Dunn, like, being the face of that scene at the time, being like, no, hey, guys, it's fine. Like, this is, everything is fine. It's all going to lead to better opportunities. And it's still, it's, trust me, everything is fine, guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, you could, it directly also comes from William Regal by that, at that yep. point. William Regal was the cosign. Oh, yeah, I'm so excited because I get to work with Regal. I'm a, he's a hero to me from a boy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then that's it. And then the whole fucking scene handed on a plan. I mean, we don't need to relitigate this. UK wrestling is dead. We've all seen the tweet. Follow Benno for the for the answers. What's really going on here? Um, yeah, there's there's no reason to autopsy that corpse again. But Regal was part of it. Regal getting fucked. And I mean, again, people can say whatever they like. But how many great William Regal matches have you actually seen? 
Oh my fucking! It's God. just the truth. <laughs> it's just Christ. the truth. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want to do. I don't. I, I look. I like on. William Regal, do and I think that he is a great performer. I really do love his style. Obviously, he. I know, like the Chris Benoit match is fucking great. Uh, I, 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 well, like if I feel like that, like that kind of like thing. I don't know. If Benno was doing a bit, but like it felt like it's disingenuous. Cause it's like obviously, like a wrestler goes beyond like whatever like the great match yes. i think like any, anyone ever ta- the time anyone ever talks about regal it's always about like how he was in a match like that's like and they'll have like the great matches to his name like i remember reading that thread and being like why is no one mentioning the arn the arn anderson tv title match like why is like no one mentioning that and like he'll have the like the odd like legitimately great matches messages put there but like anyone that's ever analyzed regal in like a like a gwe context has always been well, like, Regal was really good at right. this. Regal, like, always stood out. That's why Regal was always, like, someone that, like, was, like, that was worth watching because Regal always stood out in that match. Yeah. he all, His performances were always phenomenal uh, for the most part. He's got some stinkers, too, but he's got a lot of great performances in there, and he doesn't have a ton of great matches, and that's fine, but that's, like, you know. That's why I, I actually was thinking about this the other day. I really like Sam's new thing. Instead of great match theory, the random match theory, I think, is a much better... Um, a barometer for like a GWE case, you know, and, and me and you have not talked a ton about GWE recently and stuff in general, but if people are trying to do GWE cases, I do think that the random match um, theory is better than great match theory. I think that there's tons of great wrestlers who don't have a ton of great matches, but there's not a lot of ton of great wrestlers who don't have a, like a good kind of hit percentage when it comes to enjoyable matches, matches that I want to watch. I agree you know? with that. Yeah, yeah. I so I just think, like, it's not fair to say that, like, someone is only as great as their matches. I think some wrestlers are better than their mat than, like, better than just the quality of their matches. Um, and Regal is one of those guys. Like, I would definitely pick Regal as a random match guy. I would definitely, he'd be on the... the... Yeah, like, if you sit there and, like, like found, like, a, like you know, you spun a wheel and was like, hmm, like, this random William Regal match on Velocity, like, the, he, like he has one of the highest chances of being, like, this random four-minute match, he's probably, like, amazing. Yeah, he's got something good in there. At least something that's, like, worth watching, you know? As opposed to a lot of right. other guys. Um, speaking of uh, stuff that's worth watching, <laughs> do you want to talk about Terminus, or you got anything else? Uh, I mean, fucking whatever. Samoa Joe got released oh. again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was... <laughs> that's A. Man, that's... I need I need a some I just I need, I can't wait for whatever the first Samoa Joe interview is like I need yeah. it I need it <laughs> I need to know what the fuck was what that last five months there was like I love Joe has got a weird WWE career where it's very much worthwhile it's, to to have him like kind of go over the whole thing because remember in the beginning yes um he was one of the new contract guys who uh mm-hmm. was going to be he's allowed to work indies and stuff still while he's signed to NXT and then i think he was signed to a match in ROH against like Liger or something and then it was like no fuck this no 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 we're not doing this and they like instantly like locked him up into a real contract after that was that i think that was it like it was something like that um uh or no no it was Briscoe, 
He was gonna wrestle Briscoe for the title. No, no, that, 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 no, that, that, that did yeah, yeah, he wrestled Briscoe and he was but, going to it, wrestle like Liger in ROH, and then they were like, no, we got to get this guy signed, and he's under a regular contract. I'm trying to think of the, I'm trying to think of the timeline because I think I'm trying to remember when Joe debuts. Uh, on NXT. he shows because he shows up like at the end of a match. He shows up at the end of um, a Zayn versus Owen match. Yeah. So. I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out like what show that was. I'm trying to figure out the timelines match. Yeah, but it was like because the because the because the Briscoe match happened, the Samoa Joe versus ACH match happened. So like I don't know if like if I don't know if like what you're referring. Yeah, to. Yeah, then like, he was signed. Uh, yeah, I can't yeah, that. I think he was signed. He hadn't. I remember there was going to be an AIW match with Josh Alexander that got canceled. Um, oh, okay, because okay, okay. WWE was like, actually, we changed our mind. We don't want you wrestling other places. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think there was, like, a Liger match that was signed that got canceled. Um, yeah, so from the beginning, it was like, okay, he showed up. He was the first guy that debuted as a surprise but had a T-shirt on sale on the website instantly that sold out. Remember that? Um, mm-hmm. And then he was one of the – with uh, it was him, Gargano, and Ciampa, who also – they got signed instantly afterwards that were all like, oh, these guys are going to be under NXT contract, but they're allowed to work indies. Um and then it just never happened. And then, yeah. And then the fact that he did all the stuff that he did there gets fired, gets rehired because Triple H is like, actually, I'll still use him if I can, uh, which is a great story. Yeah. And then and then gets fired again after winning the title and never dropping it. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a his WWE story. Three three time three time NXT champion Samoa Joe. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing the doing the tours of like Australia and shit with uh, as the champion against like Nakamura. Like, there's just some weird fucking Joe stuff there. And then there's um there's the Brock Lesnar stuff. Main, then, 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 yeah, then, yeah, then his main roster. Yeah, is, he's like, got the home invasion with AJ Styles. I'd love to hear him talk about that because that. He seemed like he was not a fan of that when it was going on. He was definitely the ma- the ma- the match the matches were very yeah. good, but like yeah, the story like it was it was weird. Yeah. Man. That his his I, I need a Joe shoot interview. Yeah. So his bad. WWE career is fucking crazy. So yeah, he's definitely a guy. And they got those. I didn't even know this, but Chris Hero is still doing like shoot interviews on like high spots regularly. So Chris Hero and Joe talking about Joe's WWE run sounds like a. Like that would be an interesting one. I'm sure that'll happen. Um, I don't even know if Chris here is ever going to wrestle again at this point. I know. I'm kind of like I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I'm getting worried, dude. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure he's wrestling anymore. Yeah, I don't think it's happening. <laughs> I really don't. I think it. I think it was. I think it was like maybe he was going to at some point. Maybe not. I don't. I have no idea. Um, he's doing seminars now and just like whatever. Like he's just doing them. It doesn't seem like there's any. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I'm, get, I'm getting real worried. If, if it feels like Hero has no desire to wrestle anymore, which like if anyone's earned that, it's sure. Chris Hero. But it's like, but it doesn't make damn, any that, sense like, well, because he could be a trainer he, in he's WWE. Still, yeah, what? Yeah. Well, maybe well, well, just a trainer, but it's like he's still like when we like it's not like that long ago that we saw him having the matches with Thatcher and Tyler Bate, right, like right. or like even like the stuff like the like the lesser stuff on NXT. It's like. Like, when we recently saw him, he was still, like, he was still good. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, he, he, the way the story goes is he could always be a trainer in NXT and they would have given him that job. And he chose to, to not take it because he doesn't, you know, he'd rather be a wrestler. So, like, why, if he doesn't want to wrestle anymore, would he not do that instead of just doing nothing? Mm. You know, I don't get it, but 
I don't know. Maybe maybe things have changed. You know. Yeah, like especially now, I don't think that right. he'd be like feel like feel like feel like a trainer job and be safe like after everything that just happened. Yeah, like, that's fair. On, on the, the fair. last batch of releases. Yeah, that's that's honestly fair. Um, but you know, I still hold out hope that maybe we get a uh, get one last Hero Kingston match in AEW. That would be kind of dope. I would definitely be into that. I mean, yeah, I, like it, it'd be it would suck if like. Hero and Brian are both out of WWE now, and for like we still can't get another Hero versus Brian match or Hero versus Punk. Like, like it's like all this stuff is out here, and it's like, like come on, Chris, like just (laughs) come on. Well, I mean, Dave Prezak over the weekend, I can't remember. I think it was in GCW. He uh, he referenced the uh, Gold Bond Mafia, and I'm I still am amped. I'd love to see at least one more time Gold Bond Mafia uh, reunion. You know, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Do you want do you, do you want to talk tournaments real quick? <laughs> we can make it make it quick, I guess. Uh, oh, uh, GCW. You said you didn't check out Hoodfoot and Cologne yet. Um, recommend that. I thought I thought it was was it was it Hoodfoot and Cologne or was it AJ and Cologne? Hoodfoot, it was Hoodfoot and Cologne. Right? Yeah, AJ and Cologne is probably going to happen Hoodfoot. again at some point, but it hasn't happened yet. There was I know there was like a recent AJ death yeah. match. Well, not like, a death match, but uh, extreme good. title. Um, Extreme yeah, so, title, no, no, not the PCO match. There was like a one where it was like, like I'm not. I think, I think it was AJ like getting hit with light tubes and shit. Like I could have swapped. I was AJ. Eh, Gray. That's probably that probably happened. He's into the death matches. I think. I think it makes sense that. Uh, oh yeah, there was a Tremont, uh, AJ Gray Tremont from uh, the VXS. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's, that's what it was, that's and what that it is was. pretty All decent. Right. Uh, I, people were going a little bit higher on it than I am, but honestly, and I hate to say this because I know people really love him, Tremont. Not a guy that I dislike, but I feel like I'm always lower on him than everyone else. And, you know, maybe that's just me. Um, but just always, like, historically, I've always been lower on him than pretty much anybody else. Um, his matches and stuff, it was, it was decent. Uh, yeah, Gresham, uh, on that same show, there's a Gresham Two Cold Scorpio match I'd recommend. Uh, or, no, actually, that's not the same show. The same That same show just has Alex Shelley, Jimmy Jacobs, which is decent. And I was about to say, say, at this point, it's like, there's been, like, four gcw shows already yeah. so it's like i don't fucking know at this yeah point. and uh and then uh, and then i then like i treat vx vxs like it's the same as gcw sure anyway. i mean god it, it might as well be it really might as well be um yeah so either way uh aj okay so there's gresham and two cold scorpio and then that's followed by aj gray and pco and that's like perfect back-to-back matches because it's like they those matches are insanely similar even though they're completely different because it's younger guys wrestling like older dudes and like doing a really good job of making the older like veteran legend guys like look really good. Um, and those are two guys like two cold Scorpio and PCO two cold Scorpio might be a little bit better on the whole, but both two older dude vet guys who are more than willing to do way too much. And when they're wrestling younger guys who don't know how to like, like weirdly, I hate to like say this, like rein them in weirdly, like not just be in awe of them, but actually stand up to them. Um, like they will kind of overdo it and not have great matches. So yeah, I definitely recommend checking those two out just to see two different versions of like younger wrestlers being smart with veterans. Um, but, uh, that's it for that terminus. Did you watch the whole thing? I did. Um, do you want to talk about the whole thing? Uh, I guess really quickly, we could just talk about what's bad from every match, um, <laughs> and that will that'll take an hour. Um, <laughs> the yeah, no. uh, opening match: Josh Woods, Lee Moriarty. I really hated the trading of the arm lock shoulder, the shoulder arm lock. I thought that that was dumb. Um, I really expected a lot more from these two because they've both been 
decent lately, and I uh, should not have expected so much. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've never really been in, been big into Josh Woods. I thought, I thought he was fine here. Um, I feel like this would be better, like, if they got more time, but I also don't think Josh Woods, like, needs more time. <laughs> so, like, it's kind of complicated. There's, like, a like a pretty, like, obvious, like, ceiling on this match but it was but it was a it was a it was an okay opener i wouldn't mind seeing him run it back like i feel i i feel like there's a better match in them but it's not the match that they tried to have like if they try if they did something a little bit more on the strike heavy side then i feel like that would make make, make more sense at least for josh woods like you know more of a striker versus grappler kind of thing um but i also understand that josh woods thing isn't really striking so it's 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 weird um this is a uh, if you just like this is a, a statement that can be made across the entire show, but like both of these guys would be better wrestling uh, John Grisham. Um, both these guys have had better matches with John Grisham. Just to say, uh, that's where they're at. John Grisham is the, you know one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Um, but yeah, I I, I kind of got tricked and I thought that Josh Woods was better than he was because of his last little bit of run in ROH. Um, primarily wrestling Grisham and doing pure rules. I was like, oh, you know, he's I think he's finally put it together. Um, cause I really fucking hated him to begin with when he started out in the top prospect tournament. I thought that he was dog shit and I thought it was crazy when people were saying that he was good. Um, and then, uh, you know, eventually I got to the point where I was like, he's fine. And then I was like, oh, finally, oh, he's good. And, uh, then I was like, oh no, he's not, he, uh, he's not that good. Um, Lee Moriarty is like, you know, whatever. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, you know, piss people off or anything, but I just, Sounds like sounds like you're sounds like you're turning on more turning on him, but I just think that he was insanely overhyped, and I think that he's like he needs to be carried, or else he's like better at just kind of doing comedy world of sports stuff. Like it's weird, but like that's honestly I think what he's best at, and people think that he's like the greatest wrestler on the planet, and I think it's fucking crazy. Do you think that Darius Lockhart carried uh, him? I don't think that Darius Lockhart carried him, but Darius Lockhart is a great wrestler, so that's why they had a great match. Do you think? Do you think that Darius Lockhart? Do you think that Darius Lockhart is better than yes. Lee Moriarty? I think on his own he is. I yeah. agree, I agree. I was just yeah. I was just trying to see where, oh, yeah. where, like where you are. No, no. Okay. I I did like right. a for um wrestling is gross. They asked for just like a list of your best matches and like I don't know if it's hundred percent true because I don't really do a best matches list, but I put the Darius and and Lee Moriarty as my best match of the year for last year, um because I did think that that match was I mean, it's, like it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be really high on my top yeah. one hundred. So like I but like I felt like I was maybe a high man on it. But yeah, okay. no, I All thought right. that match. I mean, like I said, this is I don't do match of the year lists, so like. You know, yeah, to yeah, me, yeah, it's yeah. kind of a novelty thing in a way to just say, like, this is the best match that I can remember off the top of my head that, like, people aren't going to think about. Because that match I thought fucking owned. Like, that was so good. And Darius is a big reason why. I mean, that Lee Moriarty is game. Okay. I think that Lee Moriarty can ha- can stand up to some of the best opponents in the world. But I don't think that he can carry matches on his own. Um, So, yeah, whatever. Uh, Four-way elimination. Garcia, Priest, Invictus Cash, and JDX. I don't know. I thought Priest looked good here in the opening. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was this the best match on the show? That's uh, possible. Uh. I mean, like, I mean, I know people, most people would say like Gresham versus Alexander, yeah. but like, I don't feel like I don't feel like this would fall, was far off. No, the only I think the only reason that Gresham Alexander people wouldn't love or, or say was a better match is because they really didn't like the finish. Um. I don't know. I think in my mind, the tag match was the best match on the show. Um, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this yeah, would probably yeah, okay. this could be second. Um, 
I thought Garcia and Priest looked good. I think Priest especially looked good here. I thought that he was working to impress. Um, he came out with a lot of extra snap and, and crisp and, and, you know, working hard. And then, like, bumped and fed for everybody and tried to make everybody look really good. And I just think, like... I thought, J- I, thought, I thought JDX, like, considering, like, who he was in the ring with, like, people like Priest and, like, Garcia, who are, like, bigger names and... I thought, I thought I thought JDX came across like a really big star during the match. For sure, I could definitely see that. Um, he did not like. And then I'll, uh, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I never liked the um, the cat, the Cash and Garcia interactions. I'd like to see like yeah. to see that as a. Singles. I thought that yeah, Cash didn't look terrible. Um, he didn't you know he definitely looked like the fourth best guy in the match, but he didn't look like completely out of his league with guys like Garcia and Priest. So. All four guys I thought looked good, but this was just a kind of a weird match um, stipulation and a weird match setup. But I think that they did a pretty good job delivering it. And it was a good showcase for four young guys, you know, in the middle and like moving their way up the card. I thought that they did a pretty good job there. Uh, Moose and Bennett. I mean, what can you say? Like, what can you really fucking say? And the finish, like, I get it. You want to, you know, show that the rules are important, but... I think they picked the stupidest one of the rules to use as the finisher. Like, I understand you want to get over that the fouls will end matches, but the throw over the top rope thing was just the dumbest possible way to do it. And you especially, I think, undermine it because because later on in the show they they want to do. And I get it. I mentioned I get I get it. You doing the title matches? You want to say that the title matches are under special rules for the titles? But uh, this is the first show and you're establishing it. And so you have the Bandito match. Bandito gets thrown over the top rope and it's not considered a foul because of the rules. So, again, I just think on top of it being the stupidest foul to use as the finish, you also, like, undermine it later on when you have people getting thrown over the top rope and it doesn't count as a foul. So, yeah, I think uh, the finish here is just fucking stupid. The match itself doesn't really matter. Uh, Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'm not... I'm not I'm not a big fan of the 2015 uh, ROH offer match. Yeah, um, yeah this, this, this didn't really do much for me. Especially it's like it's funny to look at this and like think about 2015 ROH and like think like, oh yeah, there's gonna be a match where Mike Bennett is the face and Moose is the heel, and it's like you'd be like, I mean, like okay, I guess I can see it, but then like, but actually happens, you're like, oh, this is like fucking bad. I don't like, I don't ever want to I don't ever want to see like this like these two on. Like, well, in these roles facing each other ever again. It's like, not even just on how really the match was structured. It just, like, their personalities, like, just completely, like, just didn't mesh at all, like, in the match either. Yeah, no, it's, uh, they don't have chemistry with each other. They're both not, I mean, they're not great wrestlers. They're fine, carryable wrestlers, I think, for the most part. And, yeah, they did not do each other any, any favors. Um unfortunate last minute replacement here diamante versus janai kai this was initially going to be liza hall versus janai kai which i thought would have possibly been a pretty decent match um because as i said janai does have a history of having decent matches with kind of ground-based uh mat wrestlers um with like masha who maybe is a little bit more of a brawler uh but Liza has brought in the heat when it comes to brawling in the past so a match that i was excited for we get this instead um and this fucking yeah. sucks. No good. <laughs> Diamante sucks. But, like, I mean, but, but Janai, like, I'm not going to let her off the hook here either. No. Like, she was, like... But, like, you know, bad wrestlers make other, the other person bad a lot of the time, too. And, like I said, I've seen Janai have, like, matches that I've liked. But 
yeah, Jesus Christ, this was this was a fucking wreck. And I'm gonna put it more on Diamante than than Janai, but yeah, this was this was really Yeah, Janai's a little shaky. Like she's not she's not the best. She needs she needs she she needs the right she needs the right yeah, matchup. She needs the right matchup, she needs the right chemistry, she's not the most com uh, you know, confidence is a weird word to use, but she's not as, as I guess sure sure footed in the ring. She's not she doesn't have the, you know, experience wrestling to like hundred percent know what to do in every situation yet. Um, I think the Savoy mentorship will be good for her, honestly. Um, so yeah, hopefully that does add to, uh, add to her getting better. But yeah, this was no, no good. Kira Hogan versus Jordan Grace, a perfectly acceptable impact mid card match. Um, Jordan, I think looks great. She looks like a star, you know, whatever, but not, uh, not the smoothest and n- nothing to write home about. Uh, Jordan, Jordan is, I don't know the last time I've seen a good Jordan match. I'm gonna be honest. Sure, with you. that's fair. Um, it's it's tough because I know how talented Jordan is, but I just don't know the last time I've seen like have her have like the kind of match that I think we know she's capable of having. Yeah. And Kiara Hogan, like and Kiara Hogan, is like I like the idea of her as a wrestler. Like I always like you know, I'm into her. She like she's like she's fun, and then it's like the bell rings and like she's fine, but then it never like takes like the next step there and like i thought the structure was weird and everything like i i thought i thought this was like the the thing on terminus i thought was mainly the weirdest thing is like the structure of the matches felt like like really like really disorganized yeah. like nothing nothing about the structure like for a lot of the stuff made sense yeah you know what the matches that stand out to me in my memory for great jordan grace matches are um the false count anywhere with ruby riot what's her name what was her name uh, heidi lovelace Highly and um and the Nick Gage match in in Black Label Pro, and it's like both times. There's also like a was there like a fucking Ethan Page match or something? Oh too? yeah like... yeah. There's a decent yes. There's an Ethan Page match that's that's good. Yeah, and it's like she's good with like kind of wild brawls, like playing the powerhouse against like a wild, out of control brawl, like chaotic energy is kind of her best role. Um. So yeah, I mean like something like this, yeah, just for some reason it doesn't work but it is interesting to think that those are kind of the matches that i that stand out to me as her best stuff um bandito versus baron black uh yeah these guys just didn't have chemistry weren't looking their best against each other um you know obviously for bandito he's coming back from covid we both know what that's like and we're not professional wrestlers so we know that it can be tough to get back into it baron black just didn't look as smooth as i've seen him in the past um yeah and like it's a big opportunity so like uh, like maybe like nerves could have got there for him but like obviously we've seen baron black be better over the years and like this like wasn't like something like this this is not the baron black that we like know could like be there if he got an opportunity and like like bandito like might have been trying to play it safe since he just came coming back from covid and like how how, might have affected him so like it's tough to say but yeah, this was this was very disappointing, and like, you know, this is a big spot. Like, you know, yeah. when Baron Black comes out, even though he like helped like book the show, like he barely gets a reaction. And like, it's understandable. He's like an AEW like like prelim guy. He's a he's a dark he's a AEW dark guy. So like, he, so even like with how with how instrumental he was to like the crafting of Terminus, he barely gets a reaction. And this is a big spot for him. And like. I don't know. Like he didn't really leave an impression there. It was disappointing. No, yeah, no. That's uh, 
it's a bummer because yeah on paper i was kind of excited like similar like you're saying like this is a big opportunity for a guy that we've seen be decent um and possibly like have a chance to stand out and finally get some recognition and uh and he just wasn't quite there and again you know it's tough because bandito seemed a couple steps off but that's it wasn't 100 percent on bandito like you know aaron black also didn't wasn't quite there like he normally is either um and again that could be that these guys have just never really interacted with each other don't have a ton of you know history don't yeah. have you know that that in-ring chemistry don't speak the same language or maybe barely do and you know bandito's out of it and you know there's tons of reasons why but again we judge it based on what at least for me i've always said i judge what i see not necessarily all the rest of it and yeah just not a not a great showing this just reminded me of something i meant to mention earlier bennett and moose um i had you know said this but like either one of these guys i think should have been replaced with like by someone like will hobbs and one thing that i had thought about recently and i meant to talk about in the podcast but we just haven't recorded in so long is how like a guy like will hobbs and there's he's not the only one but he's one that stands out to me that i think would really be killing it right now um if on top of the 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 chances that he gets on AEW tv he was also getting pushed around in a bunch of different indies and it is interesting the way that people kind of pick apart tony khan's booking and all the problems because a big part of AEW was going to be that wrestlers who in the you know mid to lower cards were going to continue to wrestle on a functioning United States indie scene that just hasn't existed during COVID. Um, and it is interesting to think like how, what kind of difference would that have made? Because I, Will Hobbs, Powerhouse Hobbs, is a guy who stands out to me as someone who, if he was getting indie shots all over the place, like think of like an AEW kind of place, like he could be getting over and getting buzz on regional scenes in smaller indies where like they're using him as a topper mid to top guy and that would be bolstering his career on AEW where he would be coming out and feeling like a bigger star on AEW because people are seeing him around in different places and how that's not happening so that's why like a guy like him isn't is kind of feeling like a failure to launch in AEW because they don't have the TV time to actually like focus on him and I did think about that like someone like him someone like Darius Martin as well like guys who should be working the indies and should be partially making their names there so that when they're on AEW TV, they have like a little bit more to them. And I don't know uh, if that had crossed your mind or what you think about that thought, but that is something that has been crossing my mind recently about how much of AEW's booking and TV and the philosophy of what the company was going to be is affected by the fact that they're not just that COVID exists, but that there is no indie scene to also be like where guys are getting reps and building reputations outside of AEW. I think it also, like, like certain people are still out there because they were working indies before. Like, Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty still out there. work work Like, they were working indies before, and they're continuing to do it. When it's someone that's more of a project, like, yeah, like a Will Hobbs absolutely should be able, should be doing that. But it feels like maybe they're more protective of that. Maybe they're more, more protective of a Wardlow, even though he was an indie guy. That, like, maybe they're more protective of, like, certain guys who are, like, projects for them. Yeah. Um, but I, but 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 I think that but I definitely think that what you're saying is like important, and like I don't want AEW to turn into a place where they have to put out eight hours of programming. Like that's not exactly what I'm looking for out of a wrestling promotion. But yeah, at, 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 on some level, at some point, like these people that aren't getting like a ton of time or a ton of reps when you're not when you when you're not running house shows when you're not doing all these things that I will give people those reps to get better, like. Dark only helps so much. It's like the reason why, like, and I remember this was like a, a like a thing that like Swole mentioned, like um, during her AEW exit, is like 
when you do dark, it's like when you're bringing in people that are like not good and like not ready. Like, how was someone else supposed to get better? Like, the women on the roster aren't really getting reps with each other in order to like practice and like develop that develop that kind of chemistry. And the same the same applies to the to the men. So if you're bringing in people who like you know to to job and like they aren't like they aren't great and they're like you know pretty much enhancement talent, then like who is giving Will Hobbs the reps to get better? And like that's gonna be a that that is a, like a legitimate concern and a legitimate question to raise when it comes to like. AEW and how they're going to develop their talent. Eventually, it's going to become a thing where it's like, okay, Will Hobbs, like you just got to go fucking do it now. And it's like, you know, I'm not sure that's the best way to do it yeah. either. So like, that's, that's a good yeah, point. I just think it's overlooked by a lot of people when they talk about the the issues with booking in AEW and the fact that they're not getting people over. Is that I think Tony Khan was was never his his plan was never to have this gigantic roster of people that only ever worked on his TV show. Like part of the plan was that they were going to, people were going to continue to build and make something of themselves other places. And you, you mentioned a perfect example of that in Garcia. I mean, Garcia continues to get over on TV, I think partially because the way that they use him and also partially because he has a rep. And so when, when Garcia is on TV, he's not just what he is on TV. He's also people talking about him having our long draw with Wheeler Yuta in what's, oh, was that a match of the year? And him having this phenomenal title run in, in uh, Limitless Wrestling. And this guy might be the best wrestler on the planet. Oh, my God. So then when he's on AEW TV, it's also, it feels even more important because people who are watching actually know, like, oh, there's something to this guy. And when there's people who don't have anything like that outside of AEW, they just all they are is just what's on TV. And that was, I think, never supposed to be what AEW was. So, yeah, just something that I had thought about and meant to bring up. And I, Will Hobbs, I think, is like a guy who really feels like like mid-level indies or to superish indies who like, you know, had a budget, actually had fans coming to the shows, would like book him like like I said, AAW feels like a place, AIW, those kind of places where they would book a guy like that if they actually had crowds showing up to use. But right now, with the way that stuff is, like, indies aren't strong enough to book a guy like that based on, like, oh, this guy's on TV and we've never used him before, like you said, and we, but we have to give him full price and all this stuff. So there's a ton of stuff that, like, makes it difficult. The guys who actually have connections to the indies are the only ones who are going to get booked because, you know, they already know people, they trust them, they expect something decent out of them because they know what they're going to get from a guy that they have a history with. They're not going to risk it on someone who's maybe, you know, has TV exposure but they've never dealt with before, um, especially if the houses aren't great and they just don't have extra money to throw around. Either way, all that is a roundabout way to get to the uh, semi-main event, tag team match, catch point reunion, Freddie A. Tracy Williams versus uh, Dante Caballero and uh, Joe Keyes. Um, I thought that Keyes looked really good in here up against like Tracy Williams and, and Yehi. Um, Caballero was fine. I just, he didn't stand out to me, um, but I was not familiar with either one of them really coming into this. Yehi and it was cool. It was cool to see Yehi and uh, yeah. Tracy back together, and even and even, and even do the catch. Yeah, and thing. they did not seem like they missed a, a step. They were right back in it, you know, just as smooth as they were back in the day, doing all the catch point stuff. It's funny to have nostalgia for catch point, but I do. I was a catch point nerd. We both were. You know, we both like catch point quite a bit, and we both like both of these. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, if you didn't like catch point, you're a fucking weirdo. Like, they, yeah, they like, like, come on, like. They had, like, a bunch of good matches. It's like, like, like <laughs> come on. So, yeah, I thought that this was really good. This was solid, really solid wrestling. The, the tag rope stuff was good but goofy. And then, you know, pointing it out at the end, I thought was maybe a bit over the top. But whatever. Um, yeah, but uh, that's kind of my thoughts on the match. Solid, solid stuff. I, I, thought, I thought the booking decision was the best thing about it. Like, it was solid. It was a, it was a, it was a good match. And, like, 
Yehai and uh, Hot Sauce and Control, like they feel they look like they didn't even miss a beat when it came to working as a team. But yeah, this was the this was the only match on the show that had like any kind of like surprising result that feels like it could have built towards the future. So like, you know, what whatever terminus is going forward, like we still don't really know. Is it a promotion? Like it's like a one-off special events? Like we still we're still not exactly sure. But at least showed that like people like Joe Keys and like Dante Caballero are like in the plans for Terminus going Terminus going forward, which is like really the only like significant booking decision that was on this. Yeah, show. that was the only thing that stood out as like yeah, like booking that you wouldn't have predicted. I guess Diamante, but also like you can predict it because you know the replacement wins. But everything else seemed like pretty pat booking, like you would expect it. Um, except for this stood out because yeah, it does seem like okay, well these guys mean something, and and Yehi and Tracy Williams might be a one-time thing or, you know, even if there is a connection between uh, Yehi and, and uh, Gresham, they might not be a tag team. Like, th- it would make sense for them not to stay as a tag team primarily in Terminus. So, so yeah, you're like, okay, these guys are going to be a tag team here and actually possibly do something with them. Um, so, yeah, good point. The most kind of interesting booking on the show. Um, again, main event, I, I question... Debuting a new promotion with unique rules and having different rules for the title matches. Uh, main event, John Gresham versus Alex Shelley under pure rules for the OG um, ROH title. Oh, that's another thing to... I mentioned it earlier, but the Gresham versus Two Cold Scorpio followed by uh, AJ Gray versus PCO. Both title matches and both uh, literally the, the most beautiful uh, title in independent wrestling and the most hideous title in independent wrestling back-to-back. So that's another reason uh, to check those out because uh, I love the OG ROH title. I always did. Not one of these uh, Johnny-come-latelys. It's not nostalgia. I From the beginning, I always thought that that ROH title was great. Um, and yeah, the... Uh, the GCW Extreme title is hideous. Um, these guys have had much better matches with each other, but Quentin, what did you think? Um, yeah, this was this was a little weird. It feels like uh, neither of these two were like at their like at their best here. Nothing like super create like super creative uh, structure structurally or in the themes or like even in like the selling or performance performances from either these from either of these guys. It felt like maybe I don't want to say it felt rushed because it still went 15 minutes, but like it felt like something that like would have benefited from more time, or if they're gonna go short, like having a different way in which they approach the match, like maybe with more urgent, maybe with more urgency, maybe with more a little bit more domination from from Josh Alexander if they were gonna go that short to like really like you know um um amp the stakes here, but yeah, this is like a like a like a fine solid match between like two really good wrestlers. But it felt like uh, maybe that wasn't appropriate for the setting. And, like, it's not like these two have, like, a backstory or really, like, anything to go off of. But it felt like there could have been, like, changes made in, like, how they approached it to, like, make it not just feel, like, kind of, like, meandering and just, like, you know, running the mill for these two guys. Which, like, Jonathan Gresham running the mill, Josh Alexander running the mill is still, like, a really solid technical match. But you know, still, like, kind of, like, fall short of, like, the expectations of when you, like, see those guys on paper. Yeah, I mean, they have a bit of a history, and the commentary tried to put it over, and I even think that the booking, um, as stupid and bad as it was, was clearly intentional to continue that story, which was that, uh, that while in this situation you probably expect Gresham to win, keep the title, his promotion, he's on this tear to, to make the ROH title mean something, 
Um, he has never beaten Josh Alexander in their previous four matches. He's always lost. So you kind of, oh, okay. So you didn't, um, you didn't just like blow the wad and go like, okay, he's four and O against, uh, or O and four, I guess against Alexander. And then he just beats him here clean because he's the champion and it's his company. No, it's like still kind of a foggy finish. So I, I understand the idea there. Um, I do hate the finish. Um, I did not like it. Um, and like I said, I think this is nowhere near their best match. Honestly, both of their um, both of their Super Indie finals, I thought, were... Or both of their matches in the Super Indies, uh, one year it was the final, one year it was the opening round, were great, were better than this. Um, so yeah, like... Uh, um, that's crazy to think how long ago that was. Either way, um, yeah, I just... Uh, not their best performances out of from Together, not their best performances in general. Booking, I think, was a terrible decision, even if I get the idea, um, like you said, like the idea that there's no history or nothing back. I mean, there is history, but there's no story. There's no real solid element. You tried to put it over here. There would have been, there would have been nothing that would have allowed them to change the way in which they approached right. the match. Yeah. Like, they don't have a, a narrative to their rivalry other than just that Gresham has never beat him. And in this setting, Gresham feels like he's like a shoe in to win. So like I said... I, I thought that they did a good job to uh, to play off of that history with the finish. I mean, I mean, I mean, like they'll like they'll have they'll probably have a rematch. Like I'm not sure if it's announced. If, like I know yeah. that they announced that like Santana versus Gresham is happening. Which, yeah, man, man, it's fucking it's fucking weird, but okay. Like, but I, like oh, like I know that ultimately it's probably at least like a Gresham Alexander rematch in which maybe they do could they can do something different. But yeah, like but th- for this specific instance and like. For what we wanted from Terminus going in, like it just didn't really do enough to pop off the page, like, and that's what your main event is supposed to do. And like, you know, we could be the low people on it. People could be really into this. I'm not sure what the general general reaction has been, but like, it just felt like these two didn't really like have anything that was gonna be like, okay, here's like us planting the flag and like setting the tone for Terminus. Yeah, I think that again, like I talked about the rules. I think that Gresham put too much thought and too much focus on playing with the pure wrestling rules here than anything like going off of the close fist punches, using up the rope breaks. Like I know that that was a lot of what made his, his recent run in ROH great, but this was the main event of a, of a a week show and you should be establishing your new promotion. And I feel like you should have been focusing more on delivering a really knockout, great match where you're setting the tone for what this promotion is going to be. Um, and instead, yeah, like I said, it seemed like he had more focus on continuing to play with the pure rules than he did on coming across like the ace of a new company. And I hate to say it. Cause as I said that, I felt really bad for saying it because it's like, maybe that is setting the tone for the promotion, unfortunately. And that's not the best because that's not a promotion. I really care to follow is that like the, the point of the promotion is, you know, playing around with weird rules and like, it sucks because, you know, a focus of Terminus has been these, these new rules and the rules and rules. And I'm just like, is that just Grisham's thing? Is that like what the company's going to be? And that's the point his booking and everything is going to be playing with these weird rules. He cares more about that than like having good matches. Like, I don't know. That kind of sucks. I I, I hope that that's not the case. Um, But unfortunately on the first night, uh, they kind of showed like that's what he cares more about doing the fucking d- the DQ finish off the f- the fouls, you know, doing, you know, bringing the pure rules and, and really pushing the limits of the pure rules here. Like the whole thing, it just felt like that was the focus. Um, 
Santana, this Santana thing is fucking weird because he's got another booking, like a big singles match somewhere else on another indie coming up soon. Like, I feel like now that COVID is like over, uh, you know, after both of us got it, it's over, I think. Um, like that people are going to now start booking Santana on the indies like he's like a fucking top level worker. Like, is Santana like meant to be like an ace? He cut a couple good promos in AEW and now people want to book this guy as like the fucking the top guy. Like, it's it's weird because I just don't I. I was always, like, moderately high. Was it Mike Drastic? Um, is that right? Mike, yeah, Drastic. Mike Drastic. I was always kind of high on Mike Drastic and EYFBO. I thought that he had potential. Um, but I don't know that he's proven to anyone or anything that he's, like, a top guy. And it feels like they're just, like, going to start pretending like he is. It's very odd. Very odd. Uh, yeah. I mean, we know we never really, get, never really get to talk about it because we've been gone for a couple of weeks. But, like... 2022 is going to be very interesting for people that, like, in AEW were, like, there from the beginning and, like, are now, like, getting pushed down the ladder because of, like, the new signees. And, like, like, I I know people are going to be frustrated, like, oh, well, I've been here from the beginning and it's, like, that's a rightful frustration, but it's, like, yeah, but you were also what they had to work with at the time. Like, it's, you know, (laughs) it's... It's, 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 it's gonna be it, like this year is gonna be interesting i think like uh, like swole is like the first one and like i feel like you know there's gonna be like a lot more and i feel like lax like they're gonna be like they could possibly be part of that like i like i feel like they probably would resign but lax is gonna be like a really like interesting one just because like if you remember when they debuted and then like how they debuted and how they came in and then, like, what's came and followed after that, it's like, huh, like, it never really went anywhere. And then, like, if we're fucking bringing in Red Dragon, it's like, well, <laughs> like, like, when is it ever going to go anywhere? Yeah, I think it's odd because they're, they're kind of thing and they're, like, another failure to launch. I, I really love picking cliches and sticking with them. Um, has become a storyline on TV, so I think that maybe they won't just get fired. Um, cause they've like referenced it, you know, with Eddie Kingston saying the reason why you guys are champions is cause of him or whatever, you know, like, um, so I think, I think the fact that they're referencing it on TV means that they're going to do something about it. Um, but at the same time, who knows, maybe, maybe you're right that they could just, they could end up being guys who just don't, who were like kind of the, they were around, they were available. There's a lot of guys that are kind of obviously that way, not just guys. Also, there's also girls that are that way. Um, that uh that they were around they were available and now they're becoming bigger stars and there's more people who are available to AEW as they continue to build yeah i feel like i feel like that's gonna be the reality people have to accept about AEW is like like if you just this things were fucked up at that when you know they were they had what they worked with what they had to work with it was the elite chris jericho and then everything else like that's like really what it was and then like things like developed and like they were able to get like a john moxley and like things like developed organically from there but it literally was like here's the elite and chris jericho and then like we'll yeah, figure exactly. it out exactly well i was even thinking of like sheeta you know like someone who was like was like a big, mm, sure sure but she was like a big part of yeah. the pandemic era and then kind of whatever like the best friends outside of orange cassidy they were used a ton you know and now they're kind of disappearing orange cassidy is still like theoretically a ratings mover but the rest of them are really de-emphasized you know there's a lot of people like that all right um before we get out of here um i want to uh 
make it clear that our friend uh, Darren Roble. Yes. Oh, does, is there uh, more news? Okay. Yeah, there is more. There is more news. He has clarified his collection. He clarified that he has nine autographed ML- MLK items in a Rosa Parks signed NAACP okay. card. All right. So that's that's his MLK collection. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. It seemed a lot more nefarious. When you say collection, when, when, yeah, when yeah. you say collection, it's like you know, it's, like I'm I'm thinking he has like a fucking shrine dedicated to like Martin Luther right, King's like his weird house. unique knickknacks, this and that. He's just got some autographs. He just got oh. yeah, like a fucking like Martin yeah. Luther King blazer, <laughs> or, like, or something, or something. <laughs> oh, Letterman jacket with the Martin Luther King on the back. Yeah, I love it. Uh, well. Alright, yes, I think, I think, I think, I think we we're good here. Um, so, I think we actually need to get back to plugging our Twitter. I don't Because want I to. feel like I see a lot of talk about <laughs> yes. our sh- about the show. But, like, I see people who say it, but, say it, but like, don't follow us. So, for <laughs> for the uninitiated, and I guess we have to put, them, put our bio, okay. put our Twitter handles in the description now. So, Tim. So, if you're listening to this, you can follow me on Twitter at QT yeah. underscore Moody. Like I can't believe that I have yes, to do yes. this, but like <laughs> apparently, appa- apparently yeah. I have. To. And I am uh, at Bone Dog's wife. I I've liked the run of just not doing it anymore, but yes, I know, I know. I I, I saw the very funny. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. The like I went I went undercover and infiltrated the GCW crowd uh, for my hard hitting uh, report on on the maga. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking. You fucking. Uh, Black Lives yeah. Matter protested yes. like. <laughs> Did, GCW crowd and like you're actually Antifa it's posing true. as protesters. It's true. I was in there and I was like telling people, I was like, hey, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, uh, that was fucking funny. I'm like, yeah, like Tim is saying this from like first hand <laughs> yeah, experience. I know, <laughs> I know. it was pretty, that was pretty good. Bam. Oh, it's great. But like, all right off, right, like right off fucking cue, someone is like, you know, like arguing with our friend Joseph and talking about like fucking like slack and shit <laughs> perfect and like, it's like okay man whatever yeah. looks like whatever that was that's a, that was another funny one the slack there's some there is a, a, a becoming more prominent deathmatch wrestler who i got into a weird twitter fight with about slack a while back and now i'm hearing more and more people say that he's actually good and it's a it's kind of a bummer because i'm like I I was just shit posting and kind of trolling the guy, but like at the same time I was kind of a fucker to him, so I'm just like ah whatever maybe he's good it doesn't matter. Either way, uh, follow me at Bone Dog's Wife and you can watch me do stuff like that, um, where I troll random weird deathmatch wrestlers about being friends with Nazis. Um, because why the fuck not? Yeah, all right, um, I think that wraps up wraps it up for us. Uh, thank you all for listening, and hope you next time. Bye.